Oh, yes. You're listening to it. You're listening to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick Flanagan. Thank you for listening. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. Look at you. Look at the, the happy cheeks you got rosy and the eyes full of hunger for life. I am proud of you that you took time out of enjoying life to listen to a podcast which is a good thing to do it takes your mind off of how great life is and you learn about how great other people's lives are this is the show i host i'm nick and sometimes i have guests and today i have a guest today's guest is the great palomine very funny she's got a special on netflix she's been uh, in, involved in the just for laughs she's performed from australia to portland to the uk to montreal and toronto deanne smith deanne smith and uh i'm so glad deanne took the time to hang on the phone with me in over the winter it was a while ago and I hope that we do it again because uh, we always have really good conversations. And I'm going to do things a little different right now. I want to tell you something before I tell you a little more about Deanne. I'm going to tell you about my former guest, Una Duncan. Una Duncan and uh, fitfeels, fitfeelsgood.com. That's her website. Remember, you listened to it and you were like, oh, I can get healthier. She has a book called Healthy as Fuck but it's being re-released in the U.S. and Canada as Ditch the Diet. A classier title. A title you can buy for your great-grandmama. Your grandmama, she's probably hip. She knows. She's okay with the in-your-face title, like healthy as fluck. But your great-grandmother, she may have issues with that name, but no more because it's called Ditch the Diet. And I'm really happy for Una. Uh, her book is great. It's got a lot of simple rules, but gives you the right grounding to apply them and make it seem simple. And uh, I definitely enjoyed it and applied a lot of what she wrote. And I should apply more, but, you know, the winter was hard. And that's a big part of what she does she she's really good at saying you know forgive yourself it all starts now it all starts tomorrow you know well it doesn't i, I guess if you say something starts tomorrow you might avoid it so it all starts now and her books pretty affordable it's like 15 dollars, and then you get basically a bunch of her training stuff because fit feels good is a very popular training program she's the coach and it's pretty huge and uh, if, if you go to the link that I will have in my episode description, you'll get about $300 worth of nice stuff from Una's Ditch the Diet book. You'll get a challenge, the Ditch the Diet Challenge, meal prep made easy. So help doing meal prep, which is something I definitely need. I think meal prep is so important and I barely do it. And when I do, I feel so good. You know, waking up and then breakfast is ready. That's the dream. Normally you have to go to a hotel for that. 
There are feel-good workout videos, so you're going to have access to a lot of videos to work out with. A lot of people are at home still, even though we're uh, hopefully at the tail end of this irritating pandemic. And you can just exercise along with Una at home. And a PDF, a sleep better PDF. It's a sleep hygiene checklist and fast tips. So you can get um, tips on getting a better sleep, which of course is... I don't want to be a spoiler, but that's one of the important things she does talk about in her book. And then also uh, grow your own microgreens. You get to learn about growing microgreens. This is all with a $15 purchase. So it's pretty amazing. And yeah, just go to the Fit Feels Good uh, link in the episode description I've got. And they have been kind enough because I would actually, if Una had just emailed me and said, hey, you want to talk about my book coming out? I'd say I'd love to, but I'm actually an affiliate. So if you click that link and order the book, a uh, small amount will go towards the show, which always helps. So Una, ditch the diet, pre-order it. It's out June 10th. And if you're hearing this after June 10th, order it. You won't need to pre it and you'll get so much good stuff for that. And check out more at fitfeelsgood.com. I'm on our mailing list and it's really helpful. So yeah. Una Duncan, Ditch Diet. Check it out. Moving on. Blood Unlovable. It was delightful. Moved to Toronto eventually, and we went to a nude beach together, frankly. We don't even talk about that in this episode. Maybe later. Maybe in another episode. And Deanne is involved hosting self-care comedy, which in June, it's every Tuesday. So look up Naked Comedy on Twitter and Instagram, and they'll have all the info about self-care comedy. Great lineups, including people like Jamie Loftus, who's also been on the podcast, Julia Rossi. I think Sophia Alexandra, Alexandra is involved. She's amazing. And Deanne Smith and Acquaintances is another show Deanne puts on pretty much monthly and on Zoom. It's really great. Lori Kilmartin has performed it. And yeah, uh, also, Deanne has an album called Tell It To My Balls. So be sure you check that out. And if you want to comment on the episode or ask anything about me or talk about an old episode or recommend something to me or give me fashion advice or uh, discuss purchasing in bulk the many things I'm trying to resell, you should write weeklypodcast at gmail.com, W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com, and I'll get back to you. Immediately? Maybe not. I'm pretty bad with that. But I will get back to you. And if you want to support Nick Flanagan Weekly beyond buying Una's book and clicking the link that I've got in the episode description, you can go to ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan that's the easiest way to do it. However, I do have a Patreon as well, which is patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. And you can buy my comedy albums at nickflanagan.bandcamp.com. Here is my talk with Deanne Smith. I know we're just yeah, jumping I'm... right into our conversation, but I miss you. I It's been <laughs> literal years since I've spoken to you, which kind of blows my mind. I mean, because definitely I didn't, I didn't see you in 2020 at all. No, um, no, not in 2020. We probably And we missed each other in LA. Where yes. are you? I, I assume I you're in Toronto. That. 
Yes. I think it's so interesting to um, grow up and then live as an adult in the, in your same town. Cause I've, I mean, I grew up in a tiny town in upstate New York. As soon as I was 18, I was out of there, went to, went to university and never looked back. Um, so when I go home, it's all very much like a feeling of childhood and nostalgia and like remembering those sort of things. And of course it's changed, but I, I haven't existed there as an adult. Um, so I think it'd just be so interesting to have that like continuous timeline in the same city and I know you've been in and out and you've traveled a bit um, yeah I mean I know what you mean exactly and obviously you said it in English it was well put you're a <laughs> communicator uh, <laughs> uh, we know each other's style of talking <laughs> a lot of reasons I know what you're saying <laughs> but um, yeah it's it's that but I also had that unfortunate Canadian um, uh, complex of just always, especially in an entertainer where I just always was like, well, I got to get out of here. Oh, this alt comedy happening in the early 2000s is very interesting to me. I want to be yeah. part of it. We don't really have an equivalent to that, except for the one that is being created by my friends. <laughs> yeah, I was like, also... you are the equivalent of that. You always found the coolest spaces to perform in. and On top of that, I mean, not yeah. that that was what happening. I mean, you, you're, you're, you know, thank you. But, but like, t there was always a movement like that from the kids in the hall to like a lot of the older comics who I was meeting when I was starting to do comedy were actually the alt comics of 10 years ago, you know? So yeah. it's, it's, I was very short sighted about what existed in Toronto, um, which kind of ties back to coming back here. And it's just like finding all these, realizing the breadth of the city and especially of the beautiful, uh, nature stuff in the city but anyway mm -hmm. um yeah i mean once you like dig into the ravines um mm -hmm. there Literally. is nature once we found. gentrify yeah. the ravines <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, what do i mean by dig into get into you know yeah, no, find I, yeah totally yeah. and i mean it does even even that harkens back to my childhood because of uh the elementary school i went to i had friends who lived in scarborough and so i would go to scarborough and go to the scarborough bluffs and the ravines yeah. but then there was like you know a 20-year lag where I wasn't doing that. So um, to answer your thought, I was just, <laughs> you know, for about 10 years of my adulthood, I was probably like, gotta get out of here. Everything I'm doing is so I can get out of here. Plus I was like touring with the band and there were large swaths of travel starting at about age 25, you know? Cause mm -hmm. I was I was someone who was just like, Got to go to South by Southwest if I can, you know, got to go to um, try to get into Bridgetown and hang out there. Got to like set up this, set up that, you know, meet my friends in San Francisco. Like some of my best friends moved to San Francisco and then like LA, the first time I went was when I was 25. And, you know, I met a lot of people because of this message board I was on, you know, who would. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, this dude just like died from LA this guy Neil Mahoney an editor and director and oh, yeah. he was someone who uh I was aware of because of a special thing and like a special thing was this website message board where um for because no one had become that popular yet you know you would see you know Lucy K posted there a lot Jen Kirkman um I remember it a little bit yeah. yeah yeah it was the kind of thing that there were people who were posting on it and then there were people a lot who might maybe were reading it and then you know people might check in or whatever but i met my friend jason that that way there was even like a chat room 
you know, like that people would go in. And how funny. Well, it was really neat because, you know, although there were known comedians posting there partly as a means of communicating with their people who liked them, there were people who became popular, you know, after being on that or while they were on that, especially directors. And, oh, and that's cool. When I was 25, like I was meeting all these comics both from there and people I appreciated. Meeting, say, Scott Ackerman or and BJ Porter. I can't remember if I'd met Todd Berry then, but I did a show like this comedy death race show with Todd Berry. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. Todd Berry. Yeah. And then next thing you know, hey, you know, lunch with Todd, <laughs> pierogies with Todd, complaining about. Yeah, that's the main Todd experience. Complaining. <laughs> Delightful complaining. Delightful yeah. complaining. But um, so I always had my eyes a little out of Toronto, which was um, regrettable in retrospect. And But it did create something where coming back here in 2018, having like the most access to a car I'd ever had, it just like the, space, the scope of the city opened up and, uh, you know, being around things I remembered. And it just feels like, especially given the current um, confusion i don't mind being reminded of like some elements of my identity and i also yeah. grew, you know grew up like i feel very lucky for some of the ways i grew up although i also think it was a bit limiting you know because i didn't necessarily i don't know you know people move to toronto and they go okay i'm moving to toronto i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that meanwhile i'm like i grew up here i don't know yeah um, you can't you you can't really see a place clearly when you grow up there because it is kind of burdened with uh, your view of it as a child and yeah. everything like that. It's easier to just like move to a new city and go, oh, this city has all this. I'm going to take advantage like once you're an adult, I think. Uh, I think you, I don't think it is regrettable that you went away because I think you kind of have to go away to be able to see it with new eyes and oh, experience yeah, no. other places. Yeah, I, I certainly don't regret like all the travel. I guess when I say regrettable, I just mean regrettable that I didn't explore all of the different corners of it before like I was an old man and it started hurting. To <laughs> but it's not too late. You know, is it not too late? It's not too late. Everything's good. Do you feel like you're in, wait, I'm worried there's something in my teeth. There may nothing, or not be. Nothing um, is in your teeth. Are you, are you feeling like an old man? Uh, you know, it just kind of comes and goes. I just turned 40. I don't know if I'm supposed to announce that. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I feel very old <clears throat> and sometimes I feel like, I mean, I never feel like different than I felt when I was 20 exactly, except mm -hmm. I, except I'm less sure of what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a big part of it. I think the trick, the funny thing about aging, I think, um, and I'm a little bit older than you even mm. is that uh you do, you kind of, your fundamental inside person never changes. And like, even my 95 year old grandma said this to me, like she's like mm. completely confronted when she looks in the mirror because she sees this old lady and she doesn't feel like an old lady. Um, yeah. And I feel like somewhat similarly, like I'm um, morphing into a pretty strong version of my mom and it is confronting as fuck in the, to look in the mirror and go like, whoa, mom, what are you doing? What are you doing ah. here in Vancouver? I love that take on it. Confront it is confronting. That is that is cool. Confronting confronting as uh as something that happens to an individual, you know, is is such an amazing uh thing because it's it's it, it's like 
it can only happen to an individual to be confirmed. Yeah. You know, like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's our own personal struggle, confrontation. Yeah. Uh, but, True. but yeah, like what you're saying is amazing. And it's like my mom too. Like, like I see her and I, I see the older version of my mom, but I also see like, you know, the first uh, time I met her, it's like the same thing, yeah. you know, except for it's kind of colored by the, it's by the fact that, you know, she did have this eight year period of like caring for the health of various people in her immediate family. I don't know. And yet at the same time, we, we, there are things about us which change. For instance, I've noticed on your Instagram bio and possibly your Twitter, you have embraced pronoun. A pro, uh, oh, I, yeah, I almost, I almost got bullied into it by my girlfriend. Um, I mean, <laughs> I, I've been like open about being like a gender non-binary for years and I've had mm-hmm. jokes about it. It's in my Netflix special. There's a whole chunk about it. Yeah. Um, and truthfully, like years and years and years ago, like more like 10 years ago, I was getting like veiled against my will in, in Montreal. Not that it was really against my will, but just like, you know, in certain queer circles, progressive circles in Montreal, people are always like, you know, and I was like, yeah, I guess, you know, sure. Um, And I guess it's become, I don't know, my girlfriend, it gets really annoyed when people um, misgender me. And truthfully, like, I don't feel very comfortable with she, her stuff. It feels like, well, not really. Um, So I do prefer they, them, but I hadn't been very strong about, um, kind of standing up for that. And I'm just kind of like, well, let whatever, let everybody um, do whatever they feel like. Um, but then I just kind of realized, I think there is some power in just getting ahead of it and being like, hey, these are my mm-hmm. pronouns. Yeah, I think you're a very uh, good hearted person. So I, uh, as much of any of us are, I mean, we all have, <laughs> but uh, oh, darkness. <laughs> no, but I just mean, I, I, I think that like you're someone who recognizes stumbling and so i would imagine yeah, that's, that's exactly it an element of of that is like you know i have misgendered people uh obviously not on purpose i would never do that but like i just am not always getting the news of like what someone right. who i knew as say I, identifying or being identified without uh protests that i was aware of um you know um it's not, I don't even, as they, in case anyone's listening, if there's something called dead naming, which is um, uh, with, uh, a lot of people who, who will change their name as they sort of transfer into the identity that they feel themselves to be, really don't want to be called by whatever, you know, whatever it was they were called before. And it's called dead naming when you do that. It's like, I feel like that is maybe one where I would be very, very sensitive about that, you know. I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. Where, you know. I I have so much to say about this because mm-hmm. I recently learned, and then I'll tell you in a minute, like why I learned about this. But even the phrase like dead naming, not all trans people are even on board with that phrase because sometimes you can just say like name assigned at birth, um, and some people don't mind that. Basically, talking about misgendering people, I was doing this um, talk 
for like a very public thing for the Just for Laughs online festival. And I was chatting with Hannah Gadsby and we were just having a conversation. And my idea was let's read these goofy little cards. Like let's pretend we're on a first date and ask each other these questions, you know, uh -oh. read these cards back and forth. So Hannah read me this card that was like, what's the biggest blunder you've ever made? And the first thing that jumped to mind is I was like, oh my God, because I was mortified by this for literally like a decade. I was like ages ago in Montreal, I was at, and I won't say any of the names now because I've learned, but I was like, I was at my friend's literally coming out party for his gender and I um, misgendered him while, while I was there. And it made me feel really, really bad, right? Yeah. But the the bigger gaffe that I made in all of this. So what was interesting was that was one thing, but it wasn't like very interesting. So I kept piling onto the story as I was talking to Hannah and I was like, well, you know, this person changed their name from this name. And I said their name assigned at birth to this. And I mean, come on, that's tricky. You know, pick a stronger name, blah, blah, blah. So right. I made so many gaps. And then uh, I got an email from the person that I was talking about and um, he was like, hey, what the fuck? Like, but in, in an honestly, in the nicest, kindest way possible, but essentially right. like, what was that story? I don't even remember you misgendering me at that thing. That's no big deal. People did so much worse to me when I was first coming out as trans. Yeah. But to say my name in a public forum and then to say that like, to criticize my choice of name and to say that you <laughs> couldn't remember it well because it was like too feminine. And I... Nick, I have never, I mean, honestly, this, um, this person approached me with such care and tenderness and, and, uh, and potential forgiveness, but I had never been so ashamed. So even someone like me, who's kind of, you know, gender nonconforming in the queer world have been in the queer world for like more than 20 years. I am constantly making mistakes. What I did with this person, and if you're interested or anybody's interested is, um, we ended up having I thought it was only fair to let him speak for himself. So we had a public conversation kind of like you and I are doing via Zoom. And then I put it up on my Facebook to be like, hey, everybody, I fucked up big time. I'm going to apologize to this person and let him tell his side of the story or, or you know, kind of. Right. Ex explain himself. why uh, they contacted you, you know. Why you yeah, <laughs> it was like, mm -hmm. oh man, to, to be telling a story about, oh, this is a blunder I made when I misgendered someone and then accidentally, like completely ignorantly triple down and do yeah. like three times as much harm to this person who Give didn't yourself, even remember the original incident. Give yourself uh, 10 more years of mortification, basically. I mean, I, I know, I, at least. <laughs> I, I think this is why we've always gotten along is I, I think maybe we do have certain... Um, things in common you know like uh your stand-up has always resonated with me and you've always been so kind about what what i do and and i and, and i love your stuff well we, we did all... a little show together for a while oh yeah what was that uh the untried and true it was untried and true it was new bits from new bits. and nick flanagan i'm not doing live shows until fucking shit is like fully cool you know like, yeah i wasn't even doing it in the summer in Toronto, when things were like a little mellow, I was just like, mm. you know, one less person doing this is good. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that that was my take. Excuse me. I'm like so gross today talking to you. It's like a burp. In what way? Did you just like have a little burp? That's not a big deal. So did burp. I. Drinking tea. Mm, yeah, drinking coffee and some water. What's, um, um mm -hmm. oh, sorry. I, 
I think I was cutting you off because you were saying. I, I mean, I was going to say something, but uh, I'm going to allow you the floor because, like, I just don't want to take space from. <laughs> well, when you burped, I thought that is absolutely nothing. And then I thought, because in part, because I have been. Um, quarantining with my partner since March. Um, and, and in LA, at least we're in a very small space together. And now we're in Vancouver. We have a little two bedroom place right. here. Um, it's uh, the little bit of the extra room is amazing compared to what we had in LA. But my point is that it is just like nonstop bodily functions that we are aware of. Like she like literally farted on my leg the other day we were watching when we were watching TV, <laughs> like I felt it happen on my leg. And <laughs> It was fine. I don't know. It was fine. So you burping a little bit is like, yeah, whatever. We're all human. This is part of it, which then led me to um, what's going on in your romantic and relationship world, if anything. How's <laughs> pandemic treating all of this? I mean, I mean, we really haven't talked in a while, so I don't know. Right. We're getting uh, we're getting by. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's funny again. Like, it's so interesting you know, what you came in with just now, because it does like totally correlate with, with what my point of bringing up, you know, liking each other basically was. And I think it's because we just both can feel like we've stumbled around, feel like we've screwed up, uh, hang on to um, past mistakes, uh, like not in a way where, like just feel guilty about stuff and a bit neurotic i know that's like normal for oh, yeah. humans, but i think like the way that we maybe express feeling that neurosis resonates a bit with each other and what you just said is like so true i would imagine you've done some stand-up about this uh or sit down or whatever it is we do now in front of things because yeah. it's just like i can't i feel like we're in a waiting room where they're like you can't have sex, but you can pee and put in front of each other and like do anything. <laughs> not that we're not having sex, but um, <laughs> yes, I have a, I, I, I met somebody um, pretty early into returning to Toronto and um, we're still together. And I was living with my mom <laughs> in the middle of downtown and I think you came to that house. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've seen yeah. that house. Yeah, and uh, and then obviously when the pandemic came along, it kind of like, you know, kickstarted uh, the idea that I couldn't be there anymore. And I moved in with my partner, and we. Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah, and we were, and we were in, you know, her places for one person. So that was a spatial issue i've taken and a special issue and i've taken <laughs> um and yeah like i just someone put it this way that i can't quite remember um who said it but that you kind of become caretakers for each other you know like the the amount of emotional support that's ne necessary to both like give each other and also like make sure you aren't responsible for if that makes any sense like you yeah have to, yeah you have to like give what you can but understand that like we're all having these like vast individual sort of mental struggles I mean not all but 
I hope all. I mean, this is what I remember sometimes is like, I do think that people like us, like, like whose entire livelihood and not just livelihood, but like in terms of comedy, like how we express ourselves, how we feel like we're contributing to the world, how we, uh, you know, socialize to yeah, feel point. useful, socialize, get totally. feedback that we're okay people, you know, when we're going to otherwise be spinning out in our own heads. Um, <laughs> What blows my mind sometimes is remembering that that hasn't been taken away from everyone. Like it has been taken away from a lot of people and a lot of people have it so much worse, obviously, than we mm -hmm. do. But what blows my mind is remembering that people are like, well, yeah, now I work from home and that's a challenge. And I'm like, yeah. is it though? How's that yeah. steady paycheck treating you? Yeah, no, I work from home. That's a challenge. But, you know, I jog without a mask all the time into lonely comedians worrying while they wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, oh, my uh, God. Oh, my God. I, I try to do this, like, sort of lateral comparison between everyone's situation where I go, well, my struggles are X, but, like, this person's struggles are also, even though they're different, like X, you know, it's like the same actual mm -hmm. um, problem level, you know, a parent who is say is working from home, hates their situation or is really challenged by their situation. A situation where two people are working from home and don't have kids, suddenly you might be dealing with just their them not just being there all the time but them being there and trying to find the proper workspace all the time like it's just mm -hmm. so complicated what if people have two different views of even like vaccinations <laughs> you know who oh my god i know yeah like this like, is the thing that's like i've really appreciated uh my partner just got back from a walk by the way too so now she's gonna overhear everything say but hi. um that i've really hi um that we're so in line about so many things, which I feel like in non-pandemic times wouldn't necessarily matter as much yeah. um, because, you know, you have other outlets and other places to go, but now just feels like so critical and I'm so grateful for it, you know, like even the way we eat is similar and like we have the exact same way of being about like our comfort level, what we're willing to do out there in the world and what we're not, which is essentially nothing. Like we're not, we're not doing anything. Yeah. Um, same here. But talking to some of my friends in Toronto that are like, seem kind of comfortable, like dating and having people over. And that just feels crazy to me. I don't know. I, I, I'm completely with you. It's, and... it's astonishing to see from the outside because I'm not there. And I mm. see like some people really locked down. Like I know people that live alone and haven't seen anyone for months and months and are yeah. really living that life. And then I just see other people that are in the same neighborhood just acting as though there's there's not a pandemic. It's blowing my mind. I really just think that uh, class and Western lifestyle have just like really given us a baseline of what we think we're entitled to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, and like a really individual mindset, right? Well, yeah, the individual mindset is, is, is a huge aspect. And like, I would... I am not the person who can figure out whether it's better or worse collective versus individualism. I kind of would probably lean towards like, especially in terms of just like society, like we are a collective. So there you go. Like that's yeah. start from, and it's like, but we're all different people. So, you know, don't kill us like ants, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty simple to me. And when you have something that affects the entire population, it's like the collectiveness is clear. 
So yeah, yeah, and it sounds like you have a similar situation. I try to use some common sense and be anecdotal. Like I try to be pretty intuitive about it, just because if you leave things up to the government, they're just not going to act fast enough, and they're going to be beholden to a lot of different interests, and they might just sort of like cudgel everything as well on the other side in terms of just like limiting people's movement so much that they'll there will be so much rule breaking you know in a mm, western yeah. society you know like people who are living alone cannot be strictly alone it's not safe you know for them mm -hmm. in so many levels i mean i know there's no solution to this but i really think common my idea of common sense which has nothing to do with adhering to personal freedom as the most important thing like common sense to me yeah. is like okay don't go in the fire you know i have the personal freedom to go in the fire right I will not you know so i have and i have privilege people with this idea of privilege it's like okay i have the privilege privilege of having like a podcast and having really funny friends or talented or interesting friends that i can have on here and we can joke around and it's not stand up but it is close enough and on top of that i'm doing like a comedy stream with all these amazing comics like every week and then i'm also doing like zoom shows with them it's like and I'm also like a writer and sometimes I get to audition. So it's like, what, now I should be out like trying to do stand-up shows in parks with some of the biggest idiots of all time? No, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like yeah. I barely think that my career matters in this period, you know, just because <laughs> yeah. of this weird life I lead. Like everything that happened conform perfectly to the disaster that is my life <laughs> like I'm literally like okay I was living with my girlfriend in a small space but then I got offered like a three-month dog sit plus I've been doing like month-long stints at like Toronto Island where I've also had you do oh yeah shows before with me you know Gibraltar Point Artscape so you know and then I'm also the government is giving me the money to do the things that I know, even if it's a small amount of people, I am communicating with some people during a period where communication is key. And I'm talking about like what listeners or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like for me, everything is in place to be like that friend of yours. Uh, not, I'm not doing anything, but I'm probably doing about as much as you, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know, like, do you view, view, so so the idea is like, I'm not crammed in an apartment building that I can't move out of, you know, uh, with all these people. And so, you know, susceptible to stuff. I'm not, and, and needing to go out all the time just so I feel normal. And, you know, I'm not buying kids like groceries every week. That's not something I have to do. Like, like do you? I have never been more grateful to not have kids, by the way. <laughs> same year it's yeah when I was stocking up at the start of this pandemic it's just, I was just like taking care of me my partner and my dog and I'm like this is a dream thank god I was like two teenagers at home raiding the fridge it's the greatest decision of my life to not have kids I've been grateful every time I've been in an airport without a kid and I continue I, to be I'm sorry but just the idea I love that your main worry is that they're raiding the fridge <laughs> <laughs> they're raiding 
They're right in the fridge. Have you hung out with teenagers? They're, I know, but you're just they, like, there were 12 yogurt packs. Yo, I bought 25 <laughs> yogurts. There's two yogurts left. It's been three days. Sunny, Dunny, yeah. what did you guys do? I, do? I guess I maybe do have a too uh, detailed vision of what an alternate life could be. Yeah, they're raiding the fridge. The idea is you've got two kids, Sunny and Dunny. They're at- they're raiding. Sunny and Dunny. They're outgrowing their <laughs> shoes at least every four months. It's too much to keep up with. <laughs> the feet are growing. The fridge <laughs> is just, they're so hungry, but they're not just hungry. They're greedy for what you bought for yourself. I they don't know. understand the value of a yogurt. They don't understand the value. <laughs> you know what? I don't understand the value of a yogurt. <laughs> do you? You Sunny don't eat Dunny. yogurt, do you? Are you? Are you? Vegan? I am. I am dairy free. I am. I am everything. I look like I am pretty much. So I'm like pescatarian. I'll eat some fish, but but no dairy, none of that. Um, do you feel like I'm interested in? You know, I, I was before going to give like the story about like the very first time I saw you was way before I knew you, and it was. Oh. At, just for laughs in like 2014, maybe 2013, 2012. I don't know when you were there. It was Any of those. Were, when you were living in Montreal. And I went to oh. Comedy Works, I guess. And I think it was like one of those years where I wasn't doing it, the, sh- the festival, which I haven't done in Montreal very much at all. I think it's just once. But um I, I was like being paid to do something there or something. And I went to Comedy Works and I saw you and I was like, oh man, like someone from Montreal and they're like really strong. I love that they've brought this on. So I really enjoyed your set then. And, um, and uh, then seeing you kind of like have this career that I thought I really enjoyed watching. You were doing like these kind of ukulele videos. Uh, yeah, I was at first. Yeah. <laughs> didn't mean to say, you're doing these like ukulele, but these things that like, what can I say? Like if I had a different, if you were different, I would have thought they were all insufferably twee or something, but it, I didn't find anything like that about you. You know, you know yeah, what I'm I talking about. Like- Zoe Deschanel had a ukulele. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, and that's why I completely dropped it years ago too, because I um I just picked it up like I was walking by a music shop in Australia and I like on my way to to and from these gigs and I could it turns out I can only pass a ukulele in a window like three times before I'm like, I need that. So I bought it, I learned a few chords, I wrote a few <laughs> songs. And really I only had like four songs and like zero musical background. Um, but they were pretty decent songs and people really liked them. And, and you I had a cat that came like, on the thing too, right? Wasn't there like well, an Well, that animal? video, yeah, went crazy. Yeah. I did a little song called Nerdy Love Song. And then um, I was fostering kittens at the time. And this little kitten Clark came up over the top and was like batting at my hand as I was playing, but kind of looked like he was trying to play too. It was very adorable. And the internet ate up that video. But, um, but then I could feel that like there was a moment when bringing the ukulele out at the end of a set or at the start of a set was different. Like it was, Oh, here's a little something else. And now we'll do stand up, And then here's a little mm. something else. Um, then I could feel the moment where people had ideas about what that meant and who I yeah. was and what it was going to be. And like kind of eye rolling. And I was like, all right, Chuck, I, don't, yeah. I haven't touched it in years. Like when PowerPoint um, was a whole thing in stand up, you know, like, or reading 
here, I found this yeah. funny article. Like, remember Eugene Merman used to do that all the time. He'd find like funny things and like read them. And I always like really appreciated it, but it became such a uh, element of, like of a comedy. Crutch? Yeah. I wouldn't even say a crutch, but just like it, it, certain comics who weren't the people who were doing that at first. Yeah. It felt like a crutch or an, e- yeah. like a go Like when people read, when like maybe in like 20, 13, 2014, I feel like reading Yelp comments was something totally. that everybody was trying to do. Internet like, comments, oh, yeah, reviews. Yeah. Well, you a have lot, a lot of but, control um, of your voice. I mean, just because of what you do, you know, you like you've you've crafted like a, bit of a singular voice and you know, go big, <laughs> go small. Did you have training? Like, did you take any like kind of training? Like, oh, God, no, uh, uh, nothing. No, no, no. So where did you learn all nothing. this? Just like activist circles? <laughs> no, just um, just doing stand up like that will teach you right because the consequences, uh, the consequences are sharp. It's the best place to learn, right? And it's and it's easy and it's clear cut. Like either people are laughing or they're not, and when they're not, it feels horrible in various ways. <laughs> You'll figure out how to get out of that. <laughs> For a right? long time, it like it either feel feels just like they don't care or they actively hate you or you're an idiot. Like these are the these I are mean, strong ways to learn. I. I come from a traumatic childhood. Yeah. <laughs> like these are the consequences I need. I mean, being, maybe. I don't know if coming in from punk bands, uh, coming in from high school where I felt like people were always telling me I was wrong, always telling me I was like weird or doing something wrong. It's like facing crowds that were also doing that was like, I, I was like, okay with that reaction for a while. And a huge mm. problem came in. I felt when I, started realizing I wasn't okay with it. And then how do I change that I'm not okay with it? When in fact, like holding on to like your comedic belief system when you perform is like really key to winning over a crowd. You know, it's- it's, Yeah, that's the kind of fine line that I find it's so fascinating and it will keep me hooked for the rest of my life, figuring that out. Cause you have to like, you have to care, but not too much Mm -hmm. and not care, but care a little bit yeah i mean i always appreciate with when comedians with um for whatever reason uh like their own fan bases or specific fan bases do kind of like put me on their shows and we like i find out how like what i do gels with like that crowd like you've done that with me which i really appreciate and that's actually a crowd I, I like. Your your fans seem like they're just like people who are sensitive and also kind of silly, also like just normal people. And they're just uh, good folks. You know, it's just it's just that fine mix of like trying to stand by who you are and not pander to the idea of laughs, while also being trying to remain aware that you're like in the business of making that is, people feel better. <laughs> yeah, that is your job at the end of the day. Is it the end of the day now um, for us? It might be. I don't know. Oh, you mean the end of the day for this podcast? Yeah, no. I don't mean are we um, going to die now? I, that's what I thought you meant. And I just said Not it might all. be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't um, want to the end of the day for us. Yeah, it probably should be. Um, yeah, I've got to eat. I mean, that said, it's funny that I was just like, I mean, that is your job. Make people laugh. When I do podcasts, when I am not on stage, I do forget that that's my job. And I, I don't go that hard in that direction. I just chat. So I hope that was okay for your podcast. Of course it is. Obviously, I do the okay. same thing. You've been stroking your beard like an intellectual. It made oh, me wish so I could have one. so weird that I have a beard. You should get a beard. You could probably figure it, it out. It's great. You've got you've I got mean, contacts to sort out a beard. Yeah. 
I'll put, I mean, just let aging continue to do its process. I'll get some whiskers. It's good. It happens. Yeah. All of us. And then you can, um, turn them into, you can weave them into a stash. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to, I, it's sad to stop talking because I miss you and I love talking and, uh, maybe we can try to talk again some other time. Yeah. Let's definitely talk again. Really appreciate that you did the podcast, Deanne. Is there yeah. anything you'd like to tell people about? They can watch your Netflix special. Sure, yeah. If you want to watch my Netflix special, you cannot search my name, unfortunately, but it is part of a thing called Comedians of the World. So if you look up Comedians of the World and then you find Canada, you will find me, Deanne Smith, in there. First one up in Canada. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I do a monthly show called Deanne Smith and Acquaintances. Um, it's near the end of the month, like uh, third or fourth Friday of the month. Uh, and all that information is on my Twitter or Instagram. You have an album as well, don't you? Oh, I do. I always forget about that. I'm not sure how you can find it. Google, tell it to my balls and see what happens. <laughs> tell it to my balls. A classic <laughs> Deanne Smith joke. All right, Deanne. Have a great rest of day. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. All right. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Yeah. Bye. And that was my conversation with Deanne. I hope of many recorded ones, and I really hope of even more ones that are private, you know, and in person. Those would be ideal. Sorry if the sound was weird. Zoom is weird. I'm still getting the hang of editing my own podcast, even though I've done it before. Uh, you are great for listening, and I appreciate you. Every Tuesday in June, you can see Deanne. I don't know if she's hosting every Tuesday, but she's definitely hosting self-care comedy. So follow Naked Comedy to, uh, or the hashtag self-care comedy. In order that, although probably might lead to like therapy related comedy. So maybe you'll find some extra bonus tips on how to do self-care, but you'll also probably find information about self-care comedy, a Zoom comedy show every Tuesday, starting in June. And watch out for Deanne Smith and acquaintances. If you follow Deanne on Instagram or Twitter, I'm sure you're going to hear that as well. We'll have links to that in the episode description, as well as a link for you to pre-order or order Una Duncan's Ditch the Diet, which I can't recommend enough. It's a great book. I have read it. It is worth it. It's written in a very personable style, and it has logical and helpful information and it's very encouraging about getting fit before even losing weight it's really about health so be sure to check that out and you can order it in the episode description of this episode of nick flanagan weekly which is over now thanks so much for listening flanagan weekly nick Flanagan Weekly.